wasn't a lot of money. I mean, I don't have a lot of money, so good luck, Rob. <laughs> good luck, Rob, and me. Hi, I'm Annie Muir, and this is Time for One Poem. In this episode, I talk to the poet, R.G. Manuel Pillay, and my poetry sceptic slash expert is Andy, who works as a team leader for the unemployment charity Apex Scotland and cooks a mean rigatoni. Me and R.G. talk about how his poetry career was fast-tracked by turning up at the wrong creative writing class. Then, me and Andy go through R.G.'s poem, Credit Card, together discussing identity theft and the perfect leek and potato soup. Hello, RG. How are you doing? I'm really good, yeah, I'm really good. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for coming to talk to me about poetry. Oh, it's always good to talk about poems, poetry. Um, I like how you left it like a mystery, so (laughs) I'm suitably (laughs) uncertain. Firstly, since this is a podcast designed for beginners to poetry, I wanted to ask you, what is a poet? What is your day-to-day life as a poet like? It's, it's someone who gets a lot out of writing. Uh, I think there's poets that are quiet poets. So there's like people who do a day-to-day job and they do it in their spare time and they do it because they enjoy it and there's people who have tried to turn it into like a career and I've tried to turn it into career so day to day I wake up procrastinate too much write some stuff apply to grants and things like that and then uh, the rest of the time um, I'm teaching stuff connected to do with creativity mostly poems or writing because you do loads of workshops, don't you? I do one of your workshops, Argy's Poetry Jam. Yeah, I, that is like my adults one. And if anything, that's my most serious one. Yeah, I do loads of workshops, uh, specialising in workshops for refugee asylum seekers or people who have gone through migration. So I'm really into uh, creativity as a form of expression for like marginalised communities. So I've worked in prisons and hospitals and schools and youth clubs and all different settings. Uh, So, yeah, I think I've come recently over the last five or six years to the realisation that one, like I can do a lot of work with poems that's really useful. And also that I don't need a company. I can just do it online and pull in audiences and do really worthwhile work. So it's good. That's really great. So when do you actually find time to write poems? Is that part of the job? (laughs) That's exactly it. That's the hard part is remembering that. Roger Robinson says like, oh, it's um, part-time creating work, then part of the time sending out work, and then part of the time planning for new work. So, and you have to sort of do those on three, oh, part of the time not planning for new work, reading. So you have to do those three things constantly. So I, before I was like very much the morning person, I wake up seven, like do two hours in the morning roughly. And then I was prime at that point. But recently I had a child and she just eats that morning thing up. So I've had to redo my timetable. Now I work in the evenings, like before I sleep and I work much more like a set time. Whereas before I'd just span like 
randomly sleep in the afternoon get up write a poem like generally i'm looking at an average of two or three a week uh of which i didn't i didn't need an average but that's good that was a good average that's how i <laughs> i have to keep that otherwise i'll just lose it two or three a week one is good i would say okay and what about if you can remember this far back what about before you were a poet what was your life like then I was still writing, so I did, to get into poems, I did music and writing lyrics and rap. So I was still doing that all the way from through my 20s. And I'd gone to poetry nights, but I thought they were quite stuffy and like pretty dull. Because I remember I went to an apples and snakes thing where I got training. To, when I first started teaching, apples and snakes basically trained me. And on my thing, like in my cohort was Luke Wright and Inua Elims and another guy who went on to, Coelho, who went on to be a children's writer. And I think Inua, like he had Malaika, yeah, Jacob Sam LaRose, like they were role models for black young people. And when I look back now, I didn't, ha there was no one like me there. There was literally no one like me. And Luke had his thing because at that time he was confident already and he was a writer and he was white. So he had that sort of thing going. So I think at that point I was like, well, I don't really fit in here that much. And I had a band, so we just toured a lot at that time. It was wicked. It was great. It was like really wild. So was rap music then your introduction to poetry? Like how did you change from rap to poetry? Because it's quite different. Yeah, I think uh, rap was my introduction. I liked the rhythm of it. I liked how it was on the street corner. It's like a universal language. It's about how you put things together and it's not about, it's about bravado, but it's not about uh, literary bravado like how it is with poems. But then um, quite late on, I went to the poetry school and did a course and I was like interested to see what I was doing, whether it was any good or not. And uh, then I started to get interested in it and started uh, forgetting about rhyme, letting go of rhyme basically and rhythm. Was there a particular person who, who told you like, what you're doing is actually poetry, you know, like this is poetry and like encourage you to, to write more? I think, you know, when I, when I first went to poetry school, I went into the wrong class. I was, trying, I was supposed to be in Tim Dooley's class, but I sat in and it was Wayne's class and I was in the f opening class. So he was like, let's go around the room and talk about the book that you're working on. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? <laughs> and also... Wayne Holloway Smith. Yeah. And he knows now. And also I was really high when I went in because I was nervous before going in. <laughs> So anyway, it was going one by one around the circle and it was coming closer to me and I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to say. So then I just said like, oh yeah, I'm working on a collection. And on the way out, he saw me and he was like, hey, RG, how did you find that and stuff? And I was like, mate, to tell you the truth, I'm not even supposed to be in this. I, I think I went into the wrong room. <laughs> anyway, I swapped from Tim Dooley after that because Wayne was cracking up about it. And he... um yeah, he supported me throughout, like, and he's the person that pushed me to go beyond, to question what I was doing and to push it further. So that was really fun. Do you remember the first poem that you read that you really loved or like spoke to you directly? That's a really good question. I mean, as a kid, 
Right, there's this writer called Leon Garfield and he came in and he read some poems and one of them was called Fair's Fair. It was like a book length poem, which I really loved. And then growing up, we did T.S. Eliot, The Wasteland, and I loved that when I was a kid. I loved Joyce, I loved Eliot. I saw, I read through Beckett's cat, back catalogue because I was really into it. <laughs> I really loved it and Shakespeare as well. All of those things I loved. And then when I got older i think the contemporary stuff i loved was jonathan edwards you know i've used him in class a lot mm -hmm. because when i first saw that poetry and i met him as well i was just like wow you're exactly like your poems and that's when i realized like that you didn't have to be somebody else you just had to find an authentic version of yourself and push that to its edges um in order to make really good work so do you think that's what you like about poetry? You know, you're saying you were a child and you were reading Shakespeare and stuff and you liked it. What was it that you actually liked? Just for someone who's listening who might have gone, they read things in school and just thought, what the hell is this? Yeah, I think I liked the idea of being a poet. You know, like the idea of T.S. Eliot or Ted Hughes being quite zany, like obscure characters that found a medium that they could communicate in. But I also liked that if you place words a bit like uh, with music, like placing notes together, you find the right order. It's almost like a um, Rubik's Cube or a lock when they've got many layers and a safe can suddenly go click and then it feels like it's just there. And all you do is you get better at being able to feel when it's there, when it's right, when it's like doing something special. And so that's what I'm kind of addicted to now. It's that feeling. The writing side of it, not the reading side as much. Yeah, I think I like the writing. I've got more into the reading probably over the last three years, I would say, because 10 years ago, I didn't read much at all, really. Not poems, anyway. Um, I couldn't, um, I didn't have the concentration span for novels. So I think moving to poetry was just a thing where I just did it naturally. Yeah, because poems are a lot shorter, so you don't have to concentrate as much. Yeah, and I never used to understand the long poems, but now I like long form more. But yeah, they're shorter. If you've got a lower attention span, it's really good. Why do you think a lot of people see poetry as something that's not for them, or they don't think they have time for it, or they just think they have an aversion to it, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people are like that, because... Um, the way that we teach poetry in school is just completely ridiculous. Are you an, were you ever a teacher, like a teacher of English or something? No, no. I don't think I could deal with it. Just like the idea of set texts and curriculum and the way that we pick a poem for young people and then they have to do that poem. Whereas if you're reading a book or a collection you you just skip over poems that don't speak to you and you just go to the ones you like so it's partly about what they teach kids but it's also the teachers the teacher has to be like the poem before they teach it otherwise it's pointless the amount of primaries or even secondaries are going and they're like let's buy i'm gonna write an acrostic poem and it's like why like why would anybody <laughs> write an acrostic poem now, sometimes you might you might have a reason for it but the saddest thing is that that is the way that uh, children in primary find a form that they can work in. So it's like giving a piece of paper and saying, here's the outline of a person, like fill in the person. 
and it's such a shame. Acrostic poem is like you write a, wor- a word down the side and then fill it. Yeah, in, sorry, right? you write a word and then each letter is the beginning of a line. What you don't like those? It's a no. It's a cool form, but there's loads of forms in the world, you know. And one of the schools I went to, I told the kids like, make up your own form. Like, so do a syllable chart, make up your own. So take your phone number and put put it in, and make your own syllable chart with your phone. They love that because they're just like, well, we can basically do what we want. So um, I I appreciate there's some historical value of studying World War Two poems or whatever. Uh, Sassoon and and those people, but I mean, come on, there's it's not enough to keep you involved with poetry. They should do like modern things as well. Yeah, for sure. And then the the other question is is like recently I went in and I had a Dalgit poem and I was doing it in a secondary. And as soon as and I said like, oh, um, this is a poet called Dalgit Nagra, everyone was just like, oh. Why? Yeah, because Dalgit's got on some curriculums, like so they know Dalgit from. Oh yeah. Yeah, so that just shows how poor our teaching is. That when I say his name, they groan. I mean, it's just awful. So I just think the way we go about it is problematic, and it makes people not like it for life, which is a real shame. When you write poetry. Uh, who are you writing for? Like, who is your audience? Are you writing for people who are poets or really like poetry, or do you think your your poetry is accessible to someone who hasn't read any poetry? This is a really difficult thing, isn't it? Sometimes people can be like they can use accessibility as an excuse to make things oversimplified. So they're like, say, oh yeah, I've kept it. Oh, I like this poem because it's really accessible. Meaning, what? Non-poetry people cannot fathom the level of literature that other people are fathoming. I think that's probably about the expectations of audiences and、um, how we pitch things. But I have been thinking about this a lot. I'm trying to make my stuff accessible, but at the same time、um, uh, connect and connect with audiences, but at the same time have the depth of emotion where different audiences can. Find different a range of feelings throughout the piece, but it's a really difficult concept. It's really difficult as well. On the other side, like reflecting cultures without devaluing the cultures, you know, capturing like、uh, the story of someone living in、uh, poverty without passing judgment on the someone. Those sorts of things I find interesting, and、um, I think they're for all audiences really. That's what you'd you'd want, isn't it? You'd want. I think the best poem is one that you can read it one time, and you kind of get something from it, but you don't fully understand it. You kind of go,、hmm, yeah, I kind of this is interesting, and then you can read it again and again and again, and always kind of get something different from it. And then maybe in like twenty years, you'll think, oh yeah, maybe this is what that was about. That's the best kind of poem for me. I think so. I think sometimes I think of it like. When you walk up to like a Rothko or one of those、uh, paintings where it's just one color, you know, and and there's your you've always got a mate who's like, "What is the point of this? This is such a waste of time." Or they'll be like, "I could do that. I could do that. Anybody could do that." Yeah. And、um, so when you walk up to it, you've got an expectation like, "Oh, this is what I know about painting, and this does not fulfill my expectations of painting." Whereas with a lot of that work, my brother who Does that sort of、uh, scene? He says to me, "It's like 
it's not what the the piece of art brings to you it's what you bring to it and that's like quite a profound shift because if you're looking at a poem you look at it and you're like i don't know how this speaks to me well um you shouldn't think about how the poem speaks to you you, sh you should think about what you're saying to the poem like what it's bringing out of you and then that takes the pressure of a set reaction to a poem that's exactly what this podcast is about <laughs> so although you're the expert on being a poet i think you are not the expert about your poems and that's why i am going to bring in a person who doesn't read poetry because they're the perfect reader of your poems because it's them who will decide what it means because they're going to bring their their non-poetry loving eyes on it and say this is what this poem's all about yeah great does that scare you um are you going to do that right now no <laughs> I was like, wow. Imagine if I had someone in my house, like, okay, and here they come. I kind of love that. No, don't worry. Um, no, it, it doesn't scare me. Like, sometimes, you know, there's there's certain people, I mean, I don't think it's rude to say, but certain people like Holly McNish or Ian McMillan or those people, they, like, pull quite a lot of controversy because people don't like the fact that Holly is so successful like she is super successful and she's done amazing for herself like and her work reaches out to in a way that other people have not been able to but um so i think people sometimes think that poetry has to be one thing it doesn't like there's a whole spectrum of people that want to engage in different ways on instagram or in books or on audio books or whatever and it's okay that those are different and in such a range because we're all so different and uh, diverse as audiences. Yeah, definitely. So you're not scared. That's scared. I'm not. I'm not that worried. No. We'll see. We'll see what happens then. So um, before we finish, I'm going to get you to read one of your poems if you have your book, your pamphlet nearby. But that's going to be the end. So before you do that, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Annie, and good luck with the rest of these podcasts. Thank you. So will you read your poem, Credit Card? Yeah, no worries. Credit Card. Someone pretended to be me, filled my details out online, intercepted the card as it arrived and went to Morrison's. Someone. In a red sweater, New York cap, black jeans, pink socks, spent 200 quid on groceries, I imagine. Booze, toothpaste, noodles, cocoa pops, definitely leeks and potatoes for a leek and potato soup. Creme fraiche to stir in. That someone then caught the bus, the 343 perhaps, went to that Beck. Peckham Cafe on the white side of Peckham, sat on a shared table, had a tea and carrot cake, read the paper, leant back in their seat so their hands fell to their sides, and the lady to the right, casual as breathing, pulled her handbag close. Hi, Andy. Thanks for coming to talk to me today. 
not a problem. It's nice to be invited. Okay, so first of all, when someone says the word poetry to you, what is your general reaction? Um, not my thing. It's not something I know an awful lot about. You know, it takes me back to school and maybe struggling with that part that when we learned about poems, you know, and it was never something that I particularly enjoyed. I don't know if it's because I never enjoyed doing Shakespeare and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it's not something that um, immediately makes me think, great, I can't wait to hear that. It's, it's never really been something that I've been particularly interested in or something that I do in my spare time. So, yeah, it's not like I'm all for it, great, go for it. It's just something that I'm even unsure. I think it's more about unsure of. You know, I've never spent a lot of time looking at it and reading poems to really fully understand them. Maybe it's all the something. I used to always think there's a lot of hidden meanings and I was like, just tell me what it is. <laughs> I'm just quite straight down the line, what they're trying to say here. So maybe that's what maybe I'm just um, too impatient, maybe. So you haven't read much poetry since school. School kind of put you off, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only one I really remember liking, um, I think it was Dulce the Coramest about the World, World War One poem. You know, that's the only one I ever really remember that struck a chord. And I think it because it created such visceral images of, of the war. And I always liked history, so it kind of tied in with other loves that I like. But stuff like Shakespeare um, and then since, like some of the stuff we've done around these sonnets in school and stuff like that, I was like, oh, I don't know. And then you get start getting limericks and haikus and how many words. And I was like, oh, this is getting confusing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Andy. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so um, I'm a team leader for Apex Scotland. We're a, a national charity who work mainly in the, the criminal justice sector. Um, and I look up uh, after the west of Scotland. So our office is based in Glasgow and we have got two services that, um, that, that I help look after there. And again, it's, it's, nas- it's a national programme. It's available um, to anyone who's over 16 and they're unemployed. And we can support pretty much anyone who's unemployed, although we do say that we specialise in people with criminal convictions. So I suppose that's our, our specialist support that we offer. It's a really, really great charity. Um, can you tell us also a bit about what would you do in your spare time? How do you relax while you're not reading poetry? What are you doing? Well, um, I like to go to the gym. I think that's the thing that I'm always doing. Um, I like to, I mean, that's um, something that I, I've learned through my life, something that I really enjoy doing. Um, it's great for my mental health, great for my physical health. and. I find that if you just go and work hard, you know, and, and, and you just kind of forget about all your problems during that time, and then when it's finished, um, you know, you realise that some of the other problems you've got are, are maybe insignificant or are maybe a little bit smaller. Um, other than that, I really like reading. Also, maybe I'm not a fan of poetry, but I'm a, I really love reading. Um, fantasy books is my, my big thing. Um, I'm really into that sci-fi stuff, like the odd autobiography as well. <sighs> I think that the, the other things I like to do, I like to um, just get out and about a wee bit. Hill walking, I like to do a couple of mad challenges. Um, i done one this year, we had a, um, a, a work with a charity called Japes, um, and they um, help people who are disabled do things that they didn't think they could do, so they'll maybe take get a special kind of wheelchair, they'll take people to run marathons with them, um, and they go in the Japes wheelchair and the, the people support them. Um, and we done one this year, my first one with them, which I thought was great, uh, was we took somebody up Ben Nevis in a wheelchair 
Yeah, it was it was um, it was fantastic. It was one of the best experiences in my life. We got about two hundred foot for the top, uh, two hundred meters for the top, and we, we couldn't go any further. Uh, the wheelchair snapped, and <laughs> and we're like, if we, if we get to the top now, we're not going to be able to get back down. But the the guy, we guy, we guys, it was in his fifties, the guy, so Davy, he had the best day out, and we went, it was a health and safety thing. We couldn't finish it, but. Um, it was just for the best day out, and the guy Davey, he'd been wanting to do it since he was younger. He'd been in a wheelchair since he was um, since he was younger. He'd never thought he'd be able to do something like that. And just the views up Ben Nevis. First time I'd walked Ben Nevis, I'd done a lot of other holes, but what a day out! It was fantastic to be part of stuff like that. So I'm always looking to um, do fun things like that. That's so great. <laughs> um, I was going to say, do you consider yourself an expert in anything? If you had to choose, it could be like making a cheese sandwich. Oh. <laughs> uh, I make a great pasta dish that my, my, my wife likes to try and copy but she's never got it quite as good as me so I, <laughs> I, I don't know about that like, an expert I never thought that I'm a, an expert on anything no uh, there's always something more to learn isn't there what's in the pasta dish uh, so it's like um, you've got to get the right type of pasta that's the most important thing mm-hmm. um, I like to use rigatoni for it but um, um, that's one of the, the most important things she doesn't always get the right, right. pasta um, and getting the right cheese for it and the right ingredients getting the fresh ingredients you know uh, a mixture of tinned tomatoes um, stuff like that just the straight mixture but, um, I'll send you the recipe if you want but <laughs> thank I, you she, I love that she's got the recipe but it's just never the same so. it's not the recipe it's the chef Right. That's what I say. That's what I say. <laughs> okay. Well, for today, you are our poetry expert. Right. So, we're going to look at um, the poem "Credit Card" by R.G. Manuel Pillay. Um, and so, can you read this poem out for us? No problem. Credit card. Someone pretended to be me, filled my details out online, intercepted the card as it arrived, and went to Morrison's someone in a red sweater new york cat black jeans pink socks spent 200 quid on groceries i imagine booze toothpaste noodles cocoa pops definitely leeks and potatoes for a leek and potato soup creme fraiche to stir in that someone then caught the bus the 343 perhaps went to that peckham cafe on the white side of peckham Sat in a shared table, had a tea and carrot cake, read the paper, leant back in their seat so their hands fell to their sides. And the lady to the right, casual as breathing, pulled her handbag close. Thank you. You read that really nicely. Um, So what are your first impressions of that poem? What did you get in terms of what's kind of happening just from that first reading? Well... I did read it last night, right? I skimmed, I skimmed it because because she emailed disclosure. me. Disclosure. Yeah, disclosure. I did read it last night, right? <laughs> but then I thought I'd give it a, a, read, a proper read again this morning, and then I so when I came on, I wouldn't, I mess my words up. But uh, even from last night into today, there was a totally different understanding of it. See, so when I quickly read it. Oh last, really? Yeah, yeah. See, when I quickly read it last night, I just I don't think I got it at all. I was like, all oh, right, somebody stole a credit card, you know? But. But then when I read it today, my, my first um, the first thing that I really noticed was that, um, well, hopefully I'm right here, <laughs> um, is that, you know, they're, they're talking about themselves. It's been, you know, it's someone pretended to be me, but it is them who's committing this crime. Um, and and that's, that was the first, mm. that's the first thing that I felt that I noticed. Is that right? Is that not? Is that, is that under interpretation? So basically, <laughs> there's not 
There's not a right or a wrong. Right, okay. So we'll go through it more closely so you can... That might be the decision you come to, but we'll go through it a bit closer and then... So every time you read it, you might get a different interpretation, you know? Yeah. So have have you ever had your identity stolen? Um, yes. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Um, but it was like someone had used my bank card down there. It's happened to me twice, in fact. Someone's used my bank card um, in London and someone used it in Spain. But both times it was like quickly stopped by the bank. Well, sorry, the, the, the first time I had to phone the bank and it was like... Stopped straight away, got the money back. It wasn't a lot of money. I mean, I don't have a lot of money, so good luck, Rob. <laughs> good luck robbing me. But the, the second time, it was the bank who informed me. They said, and then they cancelled my card, sent me a new card. So, yeah, it's... Um... That's funny that they went to London the first time. Maybe they went to this Peckham cafe. Maybe, maybe. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, so also, can you tell us what the poem looks like? Because the listeners maybe can't see it. Well, it's in... Um, separate paragraphs and one of the things that I was wondering like so maybe you can answer this for me so like the, the first line so intercepted the card as it arrived and went to Morrison's then it says someone so it starts a new sentence but then it moves to the next paragraph so I wasn't sure if I should read that as one sentence take a pause that's what that's what I get yeah that's like one of the unanswered questions <laughs> of poetry so some people take a pause so some some people would say someone yeah in a red sweater and some people just go straight on, you know? It, it's just up to you, really. But you did it really nicely. I, I kind of leave a tiny bit of a pause, but you don't need to, yeah. you know? Whatever, whatever like feels right when you're reading it, that's the right answer. So yeah, it's in six stanzas, we yeah. call them. Oh, sorry, I was calling them paragraphs, there we go, that's me. No, that's- I, I, I do remember that's that, though. I do remember it. Yeah, stanza, <laughs> it's like Italian or something. Um, so it's in six stanzas and they look kind of all the same, don't they? They've all got four lines in them and they're all kind of similar length. It looks kind of calculated, like someone's thought about how it's looking. Yeah. Um, that's important. I don't really know why, but I always think it's important to look at how it looks because poems always look differently. So I think it it's more, I think it's more aesthetically pleasing if it looks like that. Mm-hmm. If it was just yeah, one, definitely. One, one big column, it would, wouldn't look very nice. Yeah. So, okay, can we go through this? So can you read the first stanza again? Yep. Um, someone pretended to be me, filled my details out online, intercepted the card as it arrived and went to Morrison's. Someone. So I think reading poems is about asking questions and the questions aren't always answered, but it helps you decide the answers in a way. So the first, the question when you read this is, is what? Um, the question is, is who's stole the credit card? Yeah, <laughs> who is someone? Someone is someone is mentioned twice, but mm. it's a bit of a mystery yeah. who they are. And then the next stanza kind of answers it, but not really. Can you do the next stanza? Yeah, um, in a red sweater, New York cat, black jeans, pink socks, spent 200 quid in groceries, I imagine, booze. So do you have any questions about this? Well, do you know what? Now that I'm reading it, you know, the, the I imagine, but um, obviously... Yeah. If, maybe if it was them, they would definitely know they'd done it. You know, they, Yeah. But, the, the I imagine definitely stands out, doesn't it? Yeah, and then obviously the next sentence, there was booze, so maybe it's a bit hazy because 
Taylor Trump, maybe. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. So, um, yeah, so that's the bit. So someone in a red sweater, New York cap, it's, it's describing someone very sort of realistic, isn't it? It's like they've seen this person on like maybe CCTV or something. Or, yeah, you know. I didn't notice that. Yeah, that, that definitely. Like happened. Morrison's, they know it's in Morrison's, like they kind of, but then it says, I imagine, and it changes the whole story yeah. because they don't actually know, they're just imagining. No, that's true. I, it's, um, it's, still, it's, still, it's still a mystery. Yeah, okay, so let's do the next one. We'll carry on the mystery. So, toothpaste, noodles, cocoa pops, definitely leeks and potatoes. For a leek and potato soup, creme fresh to stir in. So you can use your culinary knowledge for this one. Do you have any questions about this? No, I'll just say creme fresh and soup's like the way to go. Like, if you make good soup, <laughs> like, that's the way to go. So, um... <laughs> I will say, obviously, I was, I was slagging my wife's pasta, but she does make the best soup. And she makes a really good potato. <laughs> see if she forgets the creme fresh, it's no worth it. So. Oh, <laughs> so, so this is, so you agree that if you were stealing someone's identity, would you definitely get leeks and potatoes for a leek and potato soup and a creme fresh? Well, if, if I was, just, if you mean if I was stealing someone's identity... Um, yeah. You know, I would I would say most crimes, you know, as people who need, you know, they don't have the basic necessities to buy groceries. So, um, you know, it kind of makes sense that they're buying groceries and not going and buying Armani watches and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, but it's quite specific. No, it's getting really specific. I felt I felt this one even mm-hmm. even more so than the last one. You know, the creme fresh line is very specific. It's it's kind of sounds like it's what the speaker would, would buy. Done. Yeah what they want you know because they're like oh yeah creme fraiche definitely <laughs> oh that'd be lovely so that i feel like that's a sort of a turn in the poem where you think that maybe yeah they're just imagining what they would do in the situation yeah it's gonna remind me of the friends episode where monica gets her identity stolen i don't know if you, you ever watch friends but... oh yeah what happens in that so uh, monica is somebody stealing their identity um, but it turns out the person's having a better life than her. She's going to all these, like, she's going to do all these great things. She's going to these dance classes, but Monica ends up attending the dance class and does it with her and has a really good time. So someone that can enjoy their life better than her. Um, so, yeah, she's going to, yeah, she's putting herself in. Uh, she's really going to get specific. So, either as Turret's done that, or she's imagining what she would do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think, yeah, I think that's it. And then, so, the the last three, can you read those together? Because they kind of go together. Yeah, of course. That someone then caught the bus, the three four three perhaps, went to that Peckham cafe on the white side of Peckham, sat on a shared table, had a tea and carrot cake, read the paper, leant back in their seat. So their hands fell to their sides and the lady to the right, casual was breathing, pulled her hand back close. So what do you think about this last bit now, based on what we've talked about? Um, I, again, it's like, there's, there's, not, there's not really been a crime committed in the last part, compared to the first part. It's, the, it's, the details are just, I, I, I feel they're just really specific, you know. It's exactly what the, the whoever's person did that. And by the end, it seems that, you know, she's, she's out to do it again. She's used her. The first crime's been committed and we've just got to keep on doing it. So 
we don't know um the the person who wrote this poem is uh, a man right. but we don't know who um the speaker of the poem is because it could be anyone yeah. so we just use they you know because we, we don't know the gender yeah. so so this person catches the bus the three four three perhaps it, like you say it's very specific and they go to a cafe that the speaker knows yeah on the white side of Peckham. Why do you think they say the white side of Peckham? Mm, the rich side of Peckham, I would think maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. It could be a link to someone's uh, colour. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then they sit on a, they, they basically have a really nice time, like Monica, <laughs> having tea and cake and reading the paper. Does that sound like a good time to you? Uh... I like to sit on my own table. <laughs> oh, yeah. You wouldn't sit on a shirt. Yeah, no, not just now. Especially not just now. But, yeah, no, it sounds like a nice day. I mean, I, I love London. You know, the, um, there's lots of great cafes and stuff like that as well. And I think if I'm down in London, I always like to go and get a breakfast or something. And, you know, and sit and yeah. kind of get a gab with somebody. So, yeah, um, it does sound like a nice thing. And then what about the last stanza? Why do you think the lady pulls her handbag close? Well, you know, someone's came into a cafe, sat on a shared table, um, and I, I don't know, whatever reason, maybe she's just feeling a bit worried that potentially yeah. she makes someone might steal something from her, or um, or it, it could be um, that it's a speaker who's pulling the handbag close, maybe. I mm-hmm. don't know. I don't know. Could be, yeah. Um, could, be. could be, maybe. Yeah. So, so basically, you don't. There's not always an answer to these things, you know? So you basically, when you read a poem, you just have to get your, what you think's going on and fill in the blanks, you know, for yourself. Because, so we've got a sort of interpretation of this poem, I think. Yeah. And um, it's sort of about, you think someone, first of all, you think someone maybe stole their card maybe they did maybe they didn't yeah but then it just kind of turns into them imagining what someone would do if if or maybe what someone would do if they were me you know if someone was pretending to be you andy for example then they might do things that you like to do and they might experience life the way you experience it yeah exactly yeah. 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 I, I think, you know, my, my quick read last night, my read this morning, and then my even reading it through with you and talking through it's kind of changed my opinion again. And, and Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really changed my opinion of what I think what happened. You know, I, I still feel that maybe the speaker potentially could be the person who committed the crime because mm-hmm. it's because of the specific details, you know. Yeah. Well, they always say that, obviously, about a killer, you know, they, they, they only know the specific oh, things, yeah. you know. They don't reveal the specific stuff to the public, you know, and so they can catch them out and maybe watch them. And they t- always go back to the scene of the crime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the one, one of the things that's, um, that, that's, that's made me think about a wee bit differently about the poem is just by talking through it is that we don't really know the story that is a mystery. We don't know who the yeah. speaker is and we, we don't know if the lady at the end is a speaker or it's the other way about. Um, and it's it's made me think a wee about the wee bit about the, especially the last paragraph, which is about first impressions of people. Um, yeah. Which certainly um, is a barrier that a lot of people we work with and I've had in the past as well. You know, they just 
they see you or they hear something about you and they think about you. So maybe just a wee bit. Maybe I'm just yeah. Don't, don't um you know don't you, you don't really know the full story basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that's why I wanted to get back to when we first spoke about it. There's a bit of mystery in the first sentence, but we still don't know the, the true story at the end either. No. And it might be about race because they did say the white side of Peckham. So it makes me think that the speaker mm. is not white. Yeah. And that might be why the the woman pulls her handbag close because she's kind of judging someone based on the colour of their skin. It could be. No, definitely, um, 100%. I mean, I think we did, we both noticed that in the, the fourth stanza. Look at me using, yeah. using the lingo now, stanza. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. So that's basically in about 20 minutes, you've come up with your interpretation. I'm sure uh, our listeners might all have different ideas about this poem, depending on their own experiences. They might not have had their credit card stolen, so they might not be as good as understanding it as you. Um, But yeah, I think it's amazing. Do you think you'll look at poetry any different after, after your experience of reading this? You know, the... When I said obviously I didn't enjoy poetry, one of the bits that when I spoke about uh, Dulcie uh, Decorumest, I think my, I remember my English teacher, Mr. McLaren, um, he, I, I think one of the reasons I enjoyed that because we really went through it line by line and we kind of learned about it and we spoke about yeah. it. And I, I, when I was just giving like homework or something, it was all about my own, going and do that myself and trying to figure out the meaning. I was like, I really felt like I needed my hand hold, so you kind of held my hand a wee bit and talked me through it. And yeah. That's made it easier to understand. Um, it has made it much easier to understand and um, give me a different perspective. And I think I think as well, um, when I was younger, like, it wasn't really just poetry. I mean, school wasn't, I didn't really love school, you know. But mm-hmm. I think today, the fact that I was looking forward to this, to having the conversation, I spent some time reading it last night. I spent some yeah. time reading it again today. And then we read it again together. I think because I was, I was invested in it, because I was actually looking forward to doing it, I think that made a massive difference um, and I, I, I really did enjoy this poem so oh great I'm so happy <laughs> and I wouldn't see it as that I was holding your hand through it I just think reading poetry can often be a social thing like if you read it mm. once like you said you might not understand it you might show it to someone else and say what do you think about this and then you don't have to do it on your own some people enjoy doing it alone but others enjoy talking about it in the pub or whatever you know bring a poem along and and ask your friends ask your wife yeah well actual fact during lockdown a group of friends of mine we um we done a wee kind of facebook group it was like all about um like book reviews and stuff like that as well and we had a couple of different things and that wasn't something i'd really um done before and i really did enjoy that it became more of a social thing instead of the classic book reader where you're isolated and it's kind of just you and uh, well, actually, me and my sister always talk about the books too. He's love fancy books, so just only like me and her. But it was good to have a group of people who were interested in different types of books. So certainly, um, I've never really thought of poetry as a social thing. You know, it always seems to be the, you know, the classic image of someone sitting, you know, writing, reading, reading, writing poetry themselves. But yeah. um, I, it was much better to do it with someone else. Maybe not the, the, the maybe not as much as you hold my hand, but it was good to have so it was good to have someone to bounce ideas off. Yeah. I think that was the problem. I'm not really sure of. I'm not really sure of poems, really. And you're not, and usually you would read it once, or someone might read it once, go, don't really get it, and then not read it again. But because you were coming to talk to me about it, yeah. you persevered and read it again and again and again, and now you've come to your sort of understanding of it. So mm-hmm. that's how it works. You can't give up, you know? 
never get never but thank you so much for coming and talking to me and coming out of your comfort zone today it's been really really fun thanks andy no that's fine thanks have a good day Rick. join the conversation to read the poem in full go to www.time41poem that's with the numbers four and one dot wordpress.com and comment with your own interpretation of the poem This podcast was made using funding from the National Lottery through Creative Scotland. Thanks for listening.